When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Matt Jones. He's Braden Gall. Happy to be joined on the phone to talk a little baseball with Buster Olney, ESPN's Major League Baseball insider. We're kind of in the dog days of summer, but I was at a baseball game last night. Went to the Reds and the Dodgers. Dodgers have an amazing lineup, but nobody has a better lineup, Buster, than the Yankees. And at the head of that is Aaron Judge who is still kind of on the path to potentially getting that magical Yankees number of 61 home runs. It seems like the sort of talk of home run chases went away long ago. But is there a possibility, Buster, for a casual baseball fan like me that I need to pay attention and that that number that is so legendary in baseball and in Yankees lore could be in play this year? Yeah, there's no question about it. And he would be the first guy uh, since Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa in 2001 to to hit 60. And that would get the most attention sport. Now, I have my doubts as to whether or not he'll get there because in this uh, baseball of 2022, when teams are so locked into analytics, I think more and more teams are going to say, we're not pitching to that guy because he's so good. Uh, his first... 46 games this year, he drew 20 walks. In the last uh, 20 games, he's drawn 14 walks. So more and more teams are saying that they're they're just not going to pitch to him, which is the treatment, of course, that Barry Bonds got. But you know what? Uh, The Yankees do have a lot of lineup depth. The best protection comes from guys uh, getting on base in front of him, and maybe that'll happen. Aaron is that good. He seems to be that locked in. Buster, as a lifelong diehard New York Mets fan, a burden that was bestowed upon me by my father. I didn't choose this. Um, <laughs> should, should I should I wait until July to stop watching at least? Should I wait? Like when when should I stop watching and and save myself the heartache? No, I think they'd be pretty good. And by the way, I always thought that the phrase that was most appropriate for Mets fans was "till death do us part." like it just feels like that there's just something you're not going to get away from once you're locked into it but you know what's different so so much about the Mets this year besides the culture you know Buck Showalter coming in as manager is the fact that there's not any doubt before we get to the trade deadline what the ownership is going to do in past years the Mets would have some promise but you didn't know if uh, ownership would step up and spend money we know that they're going to do that. Steve Cohen is going to say whatever it takes. Um, and on top of that, uh, although Carlos Carrasco left to start today, lower uh, back issue, they've got these two superstar pitchers coming back. I would not be surprised. You know, Max Scherzer, next start in the, in, uh, in in baseball, were to be in the big league sometime next week. Jake DeGrom is making a lot of progress. And if they need a starting pitcher or if they need somebody in the infield, whatever it is, uh, ownership is going to prove Billy Epler the money, the resources to get that done. All right, I'm going to read you, Buster, the division winners or the teams, division leaders or the teams that are tied because there's eight. And I want you to tell me which one, if any, you think is, is a fraudulent team. Milwaukee, St. Okay. Louis, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees, Cleveland, Minnesota, and Houston. All those teams legit 
or any of them you think sort of take a dive in the second half? Uh, look, I don't think Cleveland is a great team. Uh, I don't think Minnesota is a great team, but we have to keep in mind the context uh, of the, the American League Central being a weak division. So I think that, that those teams, you know, we'll see at least one of them in the postseason, maybe two. I think the team that's going to have the toughest time is going to be Milwaukee uh, because they've had so many injuries. And I think the Cardinals have a chance to get a lot better uh, with their young players, Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, um, you know, Jack Flaherty's come back. He has room for growth. And we were talking about teams, you know, potentially being motivated before the trade deadline. I think St. Louis has a lot of reason to double down and to make a big deal, you know, maybe for Frankie Montas to the Oakland Athletics before we get to the deadline. Buster, we talk about a lot of sports that are that are just sort of built on dynasties and lack of parity, whether it's college football or the NBA with the super team. Baseball, with all the spending in the 80s and 90s, and maybe even before that, sort of felt similar. But it does feel like in the last 10 years, 15 years, we've seen a lot more parity in the sport. Do, do you believe that baseball has found, because of, like, on any given night, a pitcher can go out and do something special in the playoffs? Do you think that we've found a sweet spot for baseball in terms of spending and, and even investment versus parity? Or is it still just... Well, the Dodgers have the best lineup and the Mets have the most money. Buster, Braden is not a Reds fan asking questions like that, by the way, <laughs> like me. Braden, I, I, w- I would disagree with you on that. I think they still have a lo- lot of work to be done. And, you know, we can blame the Houston Astros and Chicago Cubs or 10, 11 years ago showed everybody the ultimate tankathon and what that uh, could do for teams. And so this year – um, you've got a bunch of teams who basically cut their payroll to the bone. You know, that's been a popular strategy in baseball. And if you line up best records on one side and highest payrolls on the other side of the ledger, most of the time they're going to match up. Who are we talking about? Mets, Yankees, Dodgers. Uh, and if you're, again, if you're a fan of the Cincinnati Reds, uh, you're a fan of the Orioles, why they've got a little bit better this year, you're still so far off from competing and for all the talk that we heard from both sides about, you know, addressing, uh, you know, payroll and, and trying to get uh, service time manipulation out of the game and the most recent uh, collective bargaining talks, they really didn't do crap, quite frankly. And they need to do more the next time and try to figure out a way to compel these teams you know, to spend more money, not to pick on the Orioles, but their payroll for their entire roster is less than what the Mets are paying Max Scherzer. Think about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, not. I mean, I know the national audience doesn't care about the Reds, but it is, it is to me, illustrative of the problem of baseball. Yep. That was a competitive team for two years. And then they just decided in the offseason, let Castellanos walk, but also give away Jesse Winker. And now they've got a still a pretty good pitching staff, and they're probably going to give away Luis Castillo and Tyler Molle as well. Like I, It just feels like they just decided to give up. Yeah, the problem with tanking, and I think people assume that you know the motivation for tanking is all about uh, you know, trying to get the top of the draft. As you guys know, that doesn't matter as much in baseball. You don't have, you know, Le- LeBron James very often at the top of the draft. The, the motivation for tanking that really stinks is that basically the general manager can whisper to the owner, look, if we cut our payroll to the absolute bare bone, you know, $40 million, $45 million, that means you get to make a lot of money. And so even if your tanking doesn't go well, what you have is ownership 
basically hiding behind the credibility of other franchises, pretending they're putting out a major league product while charging major league uh, prices. That's a problem for the sport. And again, I was shocked that the other owners didn't step in and say, you know, Orioles, uh, you know, Oakland athletics, you guys need to spend more money than what you're doing. Cause you really are, are, are dragging down the whole sport. And a lot of people complain about it privately uh, about, uh, you know, the, the advent of tanking here in the last 10, 12 years. Is there anything they can do about it? Or is it just, it is yeah. what it is. It is. And I, you know, I, I, the, the, out of principle, the union in the last negotiation dismissed it. No, we're not going to agree to any floor, you know, hundred million dollar floor for any team, because that would mean a potential cap, which would mean that we wouldn't be seeing, you know, the, the elite of the elite and free agents getting these massive contracts. Let me tell you something. The rank and file among the players, when I have conversations with those guys, they're like, we should be talking about that. Because in the end, if the players wind up getting a bigger piece of the pie through a floor and cap system, you know, if it goes from, say, 42% to 46%, you got to explore it. And they didn't in this last round of CBA. Yeah. Well, Buster on ESPN, Major League Baseball Insider. Great stuff. The great thing about Buster he, I'm a red season ticket holder, but I go mostly to read. Buster makes baseball even interesting to me, so I appreciate it, Buster. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Good to talk with you. There you go. It's interesting. I do, you know, I asked that question because I there I felt like a run there, where in like you know from '03 to I don't know the Cubs in '16, let's say that that so many different teams were playing for and winning World Series that I thought maybe we had solved that problem, but now it feels like we're going back the other direction the last five or six years. Yeah, it's hard. I will say, if you're a te- if you're a fan of one of those teams that's perpetually at the bottom, yeah. I think that's very difficult to feel that way. And unfortunately for those teams, they don't have hope because it doesn't look like they'll turn it around at any point. New Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown said he has a top three duo in the NBA with Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. I think that means that there are happy, happy people out there that will say anything. <laughs> but who are the best duos, and what will change in the draft? Could there be trades coming? That's next here on Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is Candy Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Best station on Sirius XM Channel 80. Second is Willie's Roadhouse on uh, Channel 59, if you're ever Ooh, interested. Okay. All right. It's old country. Just uh, in case you're ever flipping around. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Matt Jones. He's Braden Gall. Uh, you know, I like, I, I'm a big believer that when you have children 
or you're a coach, <laughs> you have to be positive. I mean, I don't have children. I'm just speculating in case if I ever have them. You probably want to be positive, right? You want to uplift your kids. You want to tell them they can do anything, even though most of your kids can't do anything. Um, and you feel the same way about coaches. What are you laughing at? I, as, a, as a parent, my wife and I have this debate all the time about when, when I can tell my children the reality of life. And, and she's like, Yeah, but I mean, like, everybody Five tells years the, old is too young. Don't do everybody it. Everybody tells like, their okay. kids, like, you can be anything you want. No, you can't. Like, I would just say to my kids, Look, you can be most of what you want. Uh, some of what you want, like, you're not going to be. Because, yeah. look, kids, you can't sing. Well, but the, like, the, the everything's going to be all right. Like, I never say that to my kids because I'm like, that's not that's not real. Well, I mean, who wants to look at their kids saying play in the NBA if they're, you know, five <laughs> foot five? Like, stop, like, don't lie to them. But Can the I point is, wait. you still need to be positive. It's very important to be positive. And I think when you're a that's coach, true. it's almost like you're a parent with your with your kids. You got to you got to be positive. So Mike Brown is the new head coach of the Kings. And, you know, that's a position that's been a struggle. It's a little bit uh, – it's, it's, it's not necessarily – everything hadn't always worked uh, for, the, for the Kings head coaches. So he comes <laughs> in, and he wants to be positive. He wants to look at his team that hasn't been relevant in 20 years and say, hey, everything's going to be all right. There's a lot good here. So here's what he had to say. Obviously, you know, as a, as a tandem in a pick and roll, they're very, very good. Uh, they're not probably a top, through, a top three combination in the league right now. So that's a given. Uh, now you couple that, like I said, with, with, with Fox's speed and uh, Sabonis' ability to pass, and it just it just gives you different ways to play. All right, so he was talking about De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, and he says top two or three duo in the league. And when I heard that, I thought, well, that's sweet. That's very nice of him to say. And I thought to myself, though, that sounds ridiculous. And so I was thinking, how many duos – are better in the league than Fox and Sabonis. And, Braden, I think I'm up to the argument of maybe every single one of them (laughs) are better, at least all but a handful. Is that a coach being almost too positive when he is basically lying to his team and saying you're a top two to three duo in the league? All right, we might need to listen to this again because I want to I want to clarify something from I want to get some clarification from you guys all of you, you know, DK, Matt, I want all of y'all to tell me if you are hearing Mike Brown say that they are the top 2 or 3 duo in the NBA period because we all know that that's fairly laughable. There's probably at least two if not three combinations that are better just across the state in the in the Bay Area. <laughs> like again, if you want to go Draymond and Clay, Clay and Curry, Curry and Draymond, my question is, is he just talking about the pick and roll? Let, let, let's hear it again. Obviously, you know, as a, as a tandem in a pick and roll, they're very, very good. Uh, they're not probably a top, through, a top three combination in the league right now. Uh, so that's a given. Uh, now you couple that, like I said, with, with, with Fox's speed and uh, Sabonis' ability to pass, and it just, it just gives you different ways to play. So well, first of all, do you hear what I'm saying there? Yes, and thank you for ruining the segment. But I will say that that the – no, even that conversation is a terrible one because they're not a top two or three pick and roll. I mean, no offense to them. I love De'Aaron Fox. He's not a great shooter. I love – Sabonis is very good, and he's a good passer, but he's not – if they were top two or three 
pick and roll combination or tandem in the league, they wouldn't miss the playoffs every year and they wouldn't be a non-competitive organization. I'm all for hyping your team up, but I do think, however, that is a ridiculous statement. Yeah, one of them requires like immediate drug testing and psychological treatment, right? Like they're one of the best two or three combinations in the entire NBA. At least I can understand the positivity about saying, look, from a guy who, by the way, I think is the 12th coach in 16 years on a team that hasn't made the playoffs in two decades or whatever. Like, I understand, to your point, coming in, being positive, finding something we are good at and highlighting that, right? That's the argument here. Again, I'm not defending him. I'm just saying I I understand why he would go down that path. And he's like, look, we got this one thing we do really well among the best in the NBA. All right, that's less, that's less, like, insane to me when it comes to trying to analyze what he had to say. That's more just, okay, you're being a positive coach positive parent to suggest that they are one of the two best player combinations regardless of situation in the NBA seems absurd it, it it's it's absurd to me well I listen I, I've never been a player in the NBA I just think there comes a point that you would like to look at your coach and say don't lie to me <laughs> like if I were to have somebody who came in and say you know what Matt you're one of the most handsome people I've ever seen in the history of television. I'm going to look at him and say, please don't lie to me like that. Like, you don't need to say that. Like, just say you like me. Just say I'm good at it. You don't have to lie. Like, if I'm De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, I'm probably going to look at him and say, if we were one of the best two or three, I don't think we would have not even made the play-in in order to be able to make the playoffs. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? Mike Brown's had a lot of success. We'll see if lying to his team ends up working. <laughs> Speaking and- of lying. There's a lot of golfers out there that lie. They looked at us and said, live tour, never even heard of it. And then just a couple days later, they joined it. Rory McIlroy called them out this week, said they were disingenuous. Is he right? That's next here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You know, they do different things at the Live Tour golf tournaments. They actually play music as people walk up, give the <laughs> golfers walk-up songs, <clears throat> which I actually think is a pretty good idea, to be honest with you. Do you listen to music when you golf? Are you big? Uh, you play a lot of golf. Do you listen to the Are you got music? Uh, my the, friends all stink guy? at golf, so they're big on playing music. I'm fine with it. I think golfers, you know, golfers, it's Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. He's Braden Gall. I'm Matt Jones. Golfers all act like, well, it's got to be silent. Like, no other sport do we tell people it's got to be silent. Like, why does it have to be silent in golf? <laughs> it, it Arguably, like, we let people scream in baseball where they're throwing a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. At your head. And, at, and in, in golf, where the ball's just sitting there, where they're not, people are not allowed to talk, I just think the idea that you couldn't have noise in golf is ridiculous. But, nevertheless, the Live Tour has, has allowed this entrance music. Phil Mickelson came out to uh, a song that had money in it, which I think had to have been intentionally trolling. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. But the big story this week, Brooks Kepka has joined Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson in the Saudi series. He's won four majors. 
and he's going to compete in the first event in Portland, Oregon on June 30th. Now, if it's anything like London, they had to give tickets away to it. We'll see if they're able to sell a lot uh, in Portland. Also, Abraham Answer, the number 20 player in the world, is joining it as well. Now, Roy McElroy came out today, and he used the word duplicitous to say, talk about Brooks Kepka and said he doesn't care what these guys do, but it's kind of weird to have guys who continue to say, I'm not leaving, and then they leave. In Kepka's case, he spoke at the U.S. Open and said he hadn't even thought about it. He hadn't even <laughs> thought about going to live tour. How would he have had time? He's such a busy man. It was tax season not that long ago. How in the world was he going to have time to do it? And then two days later, he joins it. But I have a different question, rather than just ranting about the Live Tour. Will it exist in five years? Will it exist in five years? Excuse me. Is it a tour that people will be playing on in 2027? So if the Saudis don't care about the the runway or the burn rate, as we like to say in the entrepreneurial space, um, they've got enough money to keep it going for as long as they want it to. The question is, what does the PGA Tour do to combat their some of their star pieces leaving? And I'm not suggesting that Patrick Reed is a star here, <laughs> but he's but he's won some tournaments, he's got some victories, and you know, I, I you said this earlier in the show, but there is there seems to be a common theme with all these eight or nine guys that have gone to the to the Live Tour in terms of some of the the weird stuff that's happened off the course or sort of their personalities and. Maybe being a little bit more abrasive. I'm not going to put Abraham answer into this category, but I, if the PGA Tour can combat the financial part of this with what they're discussing now, which is short form tournaments, maybe no cut tournaments with larger paydays, that sort of unifies the PGA Tour. To me, that spells the end of this sports washed PG, you know, you know, other thing that that the Live Tour is trying to do here. And if you and and the, the the loser in all of this is us, the golf fans. If we like watching golf, I, I'm not going to choose to watch both of them. I don't have time in my life for that. I can I can watch eight tournaments a year, and I want to see the best players in the world in that tournament. And other than that, I don't have time for all this other other stuff. So, to me, the answer is no, because I don't think they'll be able to keep all the golfers if they don't care about you know throwing away hundreds of billions of dollars, which they have then they can probably keep it going as long as they want. Yeah, I think it goes away, not because of a – I think exactly what – I mean, like, if they had not had Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson, I don't think it would have been a thing at all. They had to get those two, so they did. Now they've gotten a few others. I don't think any of them matter except except Kepka. I think three players they have matter – Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, and Kepka, And even Mickelson is not even necessarily a person who can win anymore. So, really, it's Dustin Johnson and Kepka. But I think what the PGA Tour has decided to do is going to be very important and is probably what does them in. Because $20 million purse, okay, these tournaments, the Live Tour is doing are 25. So, they've come very close to it, right? And I think with that, that gap, that's not a gap you leave for. That $5 million difference. The other part of it that I think is important is, at the end of the day, right now, Dustin Johnson's still getting publicity. Phil Mickelson's still getting publicity. Will they get publicity in two years? Will we talk about them in two years if the tournaments are not on television? If the winning of the tournaments has not mattered to people? Will we still talk about them? 
will they still be someone in the consciousness of American golf? And if the answer is no, then I don't think, Braden, people are going to want to be part of it because they lose the reason they played. The most fascinating question to me, though, is let's say it goes away in a few years. Does the PGA Tour let these guys back on? Uh, I, I think they do. It's one of those, like, you know, we'll just we'll just give you a break on this one. You took a but I mean, paycheck, all of a sudden, we'll then they back. did the right thing because they would have two hundred million dollars, and then they get to come back. Yeah, and I, listen, I see that argument. I, I'm just even if you get a TV network to to to, to you're on television somewhere, right? A, a legitimate place to watch the tournaments. I'm just not sure what the audience is for that tour. Like, what's the what, what's the audience for? Like seven pretty good guys, two great golfers, and then a bunch of Nobody. people I've never heard of. Like, who's Nobody. watching that? Nobody. Like, I, no that, that, I, nobody watched the first one. Right, the no first one watches one got, the regular tour events. Well, I mean, they actually do all right. I mean, they get, you know, even the bad tournaments will get two million people watching them. The most they had at any moment during the live tour on YouTube was 60,000, and that was worldwide, right? I mean, they get right. two million here in America. So I, I do not, uh, people are not going to watch them. The tournaments, they don't mean anything. Like, they don't even, they don't even have names. You know what? Right, like what? What is the draw here? Like that's what I'm trying to the, figure out. What is the, the draw? Well, the the draw is there's no draw to me for the consumer. Right, the draw is for the entity of the Saudi development fund. They right. want to be able to say, "Here's what their hope is." It goes to a conversation we had a little while ago. They want the golf to matter so much that people don't care that it comes from the Saudis. In the same way that we were talking about the Browns will, fans will cheer for Deshaun Watson no matter what because they want to win. Yeah, it, sports washing is the, the official term for what the Saudis are doing with, like, EPL teams and a variety of other things to cover up all the garbage that they do regularly. But I just I just don't understand. <laughs> like, I, 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 go, I get what their strategy is and why they're pouring money into this. And if you have Dustin Johnson, maybe that's giving you some headlines and maybe you feel better about yourself and people don't look at you a certain way around the world. But, like, is it really? Like, I don't even know if it's working. Their strat- it's one thing to be an owner of a bad EPL team, Newcastle, that's been bad for a long time and turn them into a winner. This goes to the Daniel Snyder conversation with the commanders. If Daniel Snyder had turned Washington into a champion – I don't know if we're having any of these same conversations about what he has done as the owner of the of the Washington football team, the commanders now. It, Newcastle fans are torn because they now have a real owner that spends real money, invests in the team, makes them better, and now fans are torn on what they should root for. That is sports watching at its finest because you've created a positive emotion for a consumer that's now spending money on your product. What is what? Who is spending money on the live tour? Like, are, they, are you buying merch? But they are don't need. Going, to, but you, they don't need to spend money. I think that's the one thing. A lot of what we talk about in evaluating things assumes a level of capitalism that isn't here. It assumes that you must draw an audience. It assumes you must draw sponsors. It assumes you must draw this or that. They don't need to draw anything. They don't need to draw anything. They are not trying to make a profit. Their goal is something completely different. And when right. your goal is something completely different, the rules of everything, they don't matter in the same way. So I, it's going to be fascinating to me to see the end game. I'm going on record. I watch all of these personalities on TV say this is fundamentally changing golf. This is a threat to the PGA Tour. I don't buy any of it. All it's done is it's going to make the PGA Tour players more money and it's made a handful of wealthy golfers a lot of money. But I don't think it's going to change anything. 
I will say, was it Robert Griffin said he would jump in the East River if uh, if what was it? what was he going to jump if, if Gronkowski if Gronk stays retired? Yeah, yeah. I will jump in the East River if the Live Tour exists in five years. I don't even think it'll exist in two years, but I'm not going to jump in the East River then because it's stinky and I want to yeah, yeah, r- yeah. maintain my my beautiful hair. But in five years, there's no way yeah. it's not going to exist. People are not going to care, and it will be gone. I guarantee, because it's it's irrelevant. The tournaments do not matter, and as long as they don't matter, that's going to ultimately be what does it in. Yeah, I agree that the calculus, the capitalistic economic calculus doesn't exist, right? It's a different motive, that, like you talked about. But if nobody's watching, nobody's going, nobody's supporting it, I mean, at some point, <laughs> like at some point all these PGA Tour guys are going to go, Wait a second, I'm irrelevant now. Yes, yes that's right. the key. They're going to be sure, irrelevant. I got a, right, I got $100 million in the bank. Now, listen, I'll be irrelevant for $100 million, so don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to talk out of both but sides. That's of but, that, but see, you and I can say that. People but I'm not say Dustin Johnson. Yeah, I'm not a U.S. Open champ. And I'm exactly. Champ. You and I can say that. People say that, like all my listeners when I talk about it, say, well, I'd do it for $100 million. Well, you, no offense to them, you're irrelevant now. But, like, it's different if you're Phil Mickelson <laughs> and you've spent the last 30 years as a cult figure and yeah. all of a sudden in two years nobody even knows where to find you that's different yep no that that's what it is and and oh by the way this is functioning as a pseudo collective bargaining players association move here by the players who stayed with the pga tour because they have the pga tour now realized that they have to ante up and take care of their their collection of players better and do a better job of paying out more money and building bigger purses and more events and all this other stuff that, that's a byproduct of all of this, that the players themselves benefit more, but only if you're still on the tour, not if you're with Liv. Not everybody likes fame, but when people like fame, and by the way, I think every one of those dudes that left for the Liv tour likes fame. That's part of the reason a lot of their, com- their cohorts don't like them. Fame. Com- comrades. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're not comrades. It's, they're the opposite. But right. fame is not something you can just buy. Fame is something that even, you know, Poor people can have fame. And what's going to happen to these live golfers is a lot of them are going to lose their fame and they're going to miss it because you cannot buy that back. Now, there's a lot of other stories that have been going on across the world of sports and life. We're going to get you through all of them and do what we do on Canty and Carlin at the end of the day, and that's go three and out. Next, here on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Tony Angel's situation is a fascinating one to monitor here over the next year. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And when we really look at this from an Angel's standpoint, just look at what has happened with their organization really since they won the World Series in 2002. They have basically been a non-factor ever since. And especially over the last 10 to 12 years, with the amount of money that they have spent and have gotten zero return on it in terms of results in winning. They have the best player in the game and Mike Trout, 
who doesn't necessarily want to be marketed. They uh, went out and spent money. I mean, everybody forgets how much money they gave Anthony Rendon a two ton years of ago. Money. They gave him two hundred and forty million dollars a couple of years ago. Chris, think about all that they have done, and now they are going to be faced with a situation with Shohei Otani after the 2023 season when he's a free agent, when you could be looking at $400 million for Otani without blinking. That's a lot of money to be paying a player, $400 million, Carlin. But, I mean, it's a situation now where you've already got a guy that you're paying $400 million on your payroll in Mike Trout, and you're not getting a lot of return on that investment. When's the last time we talked about the Angels as a serious contender? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long time. And so I, I don't know that Artie Moreno is willing to go down that road. And so if you're not going to pony up and pay Shohei Otani what the market could potentially be for him, then you got to look to move him sooner rather than later. Because the sooner you move him with more years on his contract, the better return you're going to get in terms of being able to rebuild your team. Now, you can't move him at the trade deadline this year. No. You, you have to give your team an opportunity all year long this year to really contend with him and try to find their way back into what is frankly a terrible division. Yeah, but you got another year of team control. So maybe you yes. move him in the off season and you let whatever team that you move him to work out the contract portion of it. But yeah, I think that has to be the thought process for the angels because they're going to be no shortage of suitors for Shohei Otani. If they make him available, just think about how badly that's been mismanaged. It just, you, you, it's not the Trout money, okay, that even bothers me. It's the Rendon money, and that's going to keep you from keeping potentially the best player in the sport when healthy and the most marketable player that's out there in Shohei Otani. That's yeah, nuts. Yeah, but here's the thing. It does give you the flexibility to go out and try to make a run at a guy like Aaron Judge if him and the Yankees can't come to an agreement on a long-term deal. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. It is Kathy and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Matt Jones, Braden Gall. Draft is tomorrow night. You can hear it right here. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern. All the biggest prospects ready for you. And we can find out which team they end up. One one trade already today. Jeremy Grant traded from Detroit to Portland for a 2025 first-round pick. There have been some reports he might go for the seventh pick, and instead they get a pick in 2025. So a uh, big, big, uh, good get for the Portland Trailblazers. But it is now time not to talk Portland Trailblazers trades, which I know would keep all of you excited, but something more exciting, it's time for three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. Three and out. 
And we are ready to get started with the first one, a surprising story. When you think about $410 million developments and state-of-the-art facilities, you probably don't think about Mississippi. But it is time to think about Mississippi differently because Sports Illustrated is going to create a resort, a Sports Illustrated resort that will have families and couples be allowed to enjoy surf riders, zip lines, and other experiences like emerging from a stadium tunnel onto the field and Mm. seeing themselves pictured up on the scoreboard. The first Mm. ever Sports Illustrated Vacation Resort. I say this note with no disrespect. I wasn't sure Sports Illustrated was still a thing. And now they're doing $410 million resorts. Does that surprise you? Well, it sounds like they're in the real estate business now, not the sports content business. But uh, my my take on this would be don't be a – don't be a sucker. <laughs> that would be my that would be my take on this. Don't don't go run into spend money on uh, zip lines and other experiences like emerging from a stadium tunnel. Here's here's what's here's what will make it a smart business decision. Is there a casino floating in the Mississippi River? There's got well, you don't go to Mississippi unless yeah. it's a casino. It, like they don't. Is, in the press release, I don't see the word casino. Yeah, but no, nobody's no. building a four hundred ten million dollar anything in Mississippi unless there's a casino. As someone who lives in a city, Nashville, Tennessee, where the closest casino I can go to is in Mississippi, Tunica. Tunica. Then I'm not interested. Give me the casino or leave me alone. Tunica's number two, their two biggest exports, casinos and despair. And they both (laughs) have a lot of them. Hopefully we will be able to have a similar uh, feeling in in Mississippi with this new Sports Illustrated Resort. Now, secondly, a giraffe named after Memphis Grizzlies star Ja Morant, has been sent from Memphis to a Utah zoo. The Hogel Zoo in Salt Lake City got the giraffe a year and a half old as part of a trade with the Memphis Grizzlies, or excuse me, with the Memphis Zoo. (laughs) The zoo has yet to receive an animal back, but it may come later. What do you think about the Morant uh, giraffe that will now be in Utah. You go to a Utah zoo and you got to see a zoo named after or a giraffe named after Ja Morant. Named Ja Raff. That's the name, right? Ja Raff. You got to. Oh, I didn't right, even notice that. You got to put the right Ja Raff. Ja Raff. You got to put the right <laughs> emphasis on the right syllable there. Um, listen, first of all, the Memphis Zoo got totally hosed here. They got completely screwed in this deal, and if they don't get at least two tigers and perhaps a set of flamingos or peacocks, my kids. My four- and five-year-old, big on the flamingos and peacocks these days when they go to the zoo. I think you need at least two or three animals to be named later. And the fact that – I mean, this is fraudulent behavior, Matt. You cannot just accept a trade, get your player, and then not give the – you can't – what are we doing here? Utah's, I think, going to give a rhino named like – I don't know, named Rudy Gobert, and maybe they'll get it in return. (laughs) Three and Out, by the way, is brought to you by Indeed. You can attract, interview, and hire at Indeed.com. Slash credit. I'll finish with this. California gas station ma- manager was fired after he accidentally made gas sixty nine cents a gallon. Nice. It was supposed to be six ninety nine in Sacramento. He got the decimal place wrong oh. on the machine. He gave it for sixty nine cents, and he ended up costing the station sixteen thousand dollars before the mistake was found out. Here's what I think is crazy about this story: enough people to get sixteen thousand dollars worth of gas came in, saw it. And didn't tell him and let him undercharge him. Not nice people in Sacramento. Sixteen grand is a fireable offense. I just thought it at is. first. At first, when I when I saw the story, I thought, "Oh, this guy was doing it as a joke." And then I realized, "Oh no, he wasn't. He screwed up big time." So 
I'm disappointed that people I'm in okay Sacramento. If he did it in Kentucky, if I went to a gas station and saw that it was clearly a mistake, I'd want to go save that poor manager. But in Sacramento, they were all so selfish because they're so happy they've got that <laughs> Fox Sabonis top three combo that they just took all the free gas. I don't know. 69 cent gas sounds pretty good to me right now. <laughs> I don't know. You're not a very kind person, Brady. But I did enjoy working with you. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. I will hope to have you here soon. There is more coming your way. Canty and Carlin, the regular guys, will be back. Spain and Fitz is next. This has been Canty and Carlin on your favorite station, ESPN Radio.